Welcome to Phillies Weekly, your home for Philadelphia Phillies podcast. WBME Broadcasting Beyond Media East, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. This week, catch player news, the minor league report, and a week in review of the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, now, your host, Chris Smith. Well, it's good to have you aboard for Phillies Weekly, week number nine, August 26th through September 1st. How's it going? I'm Chris Smith. Phillies Weekly at Verizon.net. Of course, our email address, uh, our homepage, philliesweekly.blogspot.com. Make sure you check that out this week. And of course, this week, of course, our thoughts and prayers with the unfortunate down there in uh, New Orleans and uh, Louisiana, Alabama. Uh, what just a horrible thing. Uh, Hurricane Katrina hit uh, on Monday, and and just uh, just reading havoc. Uh, I, I've been reading the newspapers and things like that, and just a horrible situation down there. If you want to help out, one eight hundred help now is the phone number there. Uh, if you want to help out and contribute uh, funds that you may have to those unfortunate down there, and there are a lot, and there's problems, new problems uh, growing every day. One eight hundred help now is a phone number. Um, to, to, to keep in mind there if you want to help out and uh, and get involved and even if you if you don't have the funds to get involved uh, there's there's certainly a way uh, that you can provide your your energy and your time to help those in need down there in Louisiana so make sure this week you think about uh, the, the unfortunate down there and the people that were caught up in that horrible disaster Hurricane Katrina down there in Louisiana New Orleans Alabama. Uh, even Mississippi, uh, a lot of people need a lot of help, and uh, anything that you can pass on to them, uh, obviously, would be greatly appreciated. And uh, uh, I think everyone's starting to feel the effects too of the gas prices and things like that. They've they've completely shot up to something like three dollars a gallon. So I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon. I so we're going to take a quick vacation here over over Labor Day, and that's that's going to be it for a while. Uh, getting right into Phillies Weekly here, though. Uh, big thanks to Jason Brewer. Jason, as always, uh, providing the imaging for us here. And uh, Jason was actually at uh, the Phillies-Mets game at Shea on Tuesday. It was the only the only night that the Phillies lost against the Mets this week. And we'll touch on those games in the week in review in just a couple minutes. But Jason was there on Tuesday night down at Shea. And uh, we'll offer. Uh, he he had sent me an email earlier this week, and uh, we'll offer his his comments and his takes on uh, t- on Tuesday night's game uh, out there at Shea, the the, the lone game that the Phils lost uh, during their visit to New York. Uh, getting right into it, though, Phillies Weekly will start out here, and some good news for the Phils this week: uh, Shane Victorino, center fielder for the uh, Scranton Wilkesbury Red Barons, a AAA affiliate, was named International League Most Valuable Player for the 2005 season. Season. What a great season Shane has had. And you remember Shane? We've talked a lot about Shane over the past couple weeks. Shane, uh, actually, there was three weeks there. Um, two out of those three weeks uh, in August there, Shane was named Player of the Week. Uh, and we talked about Shane a lot last week because he was named Player of the Week, I think, two weeks ago. And then two weeks before that, he was also named. But this year, Shane Victorino really putting up the numbers uh, for, for the uh, Red Barons out in Scranton. Uh, 310 average uh, this year for Shane. 153 hits. Uh, so he ended up with 16 triples. And I think that, that 16 triples, this is an amazing number, leads the International League, obviously, in triples. Uh, he also had 23 runs scored, 18 home runs. So he's got some pop in his bat. Uh, 70 RBIs and 17 stolen bases, so he can run too. He also ended the season with a 22-game uh, hitting streak. So Shane Victorino, center fielder out there, and I was reading some things on Shane. He's not only known for his offensive prow- prowess, uh, he's done a good job with the bat this year, but he's also known for playing a, a very good defensive center field, they say. Uh, of course, I, I haven't seen Shane in any games uh, this year, uh, besides the spring training games that he was up with the fills in, but they say that he's got a good glove out there in center field and he's definitely going to be somebody to watch uh, for the Phils in the next couple years. Uh, he was obtained by the Phils, if you remember, earlier this year in a Rule 5 draft from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, he, he went through spring training with the Phils and the Phils had thought he wouldn't fit in the organization. They actually offered him back uh, to the Dodgers and the Dodgers uh, did, didn't want him. The Dodgers felt that uh, they couldn't use his assistance either. So the Phils offered him a minor league contract. He spent the year, of course, in uh, AAA Scranton, the, the Red Barons, and he he had a, a, a superb year, so a great uh, a great pickup for the Phils in their minor league organization. And uh, reading some more things here on Shane, they they, they 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 thought that he would definitely fit in the organization somewhere, and, and they felt that 
the best thing for Shane would be to, to spend a year down there in the minors and trip away and uh, get, get some numbers together, get some more experience together. And he certainly has used that time to his advantage and uh, a, a great job again Shane to Shane Victorino most valuable player of the International League for the 2005 series I also want to pass along this bit of info to you here too this is this was very interesting to me Zach Duke was actually also named the most valuable pitcher of the year for the International League uh, down there in the Indianapolis Indians of course the Pirates minor league affiliate down there Zach was 12 and 2 this year with a 2.92 ERA uh, you we saw Zach Duke earlier this year, and the reason I keep bringing Zach Duke up is because well, I saw Zach Duke pitch against the Phillies earlier this year, one of his first outings. He was just lights out. And again, for a left-handed pitcher, Zach, of course, being a lefty, to come up and have that kind of stuff right off the bat and uh, being a youngster like that, you don't see that very often out of a lefty. And Zach Duke, everyone I'm sure is accustomed to him or or knows that name by now. He's, of course, in the DL now for the Pirates, but everybody knows that name now because he's going something like 5-0, 6-0, something like that, and has a real low ERA. He he looks to be like a very strong uh, left-handed pitcher for the Pirates organization in years to come, and I think he's going to do well uh, for Major League Baseball. I think it's Zach Mania out in Pittsburgh right now uh, whenever he pitches. Uh, Attendance is up out there at PNC Park whenever Zach starts a game uh, so it's definitely cool to see for the game and I'm sure it's great to see for those for those buckos out there in uh, in, in Pittsburgh so uh, just something else I wanted to pass on to you there something I found kind of interesting some other Phillies news this week of course uh, the Phillies did acquire Michael Tucker from the Giants uh, a left-handed kind of some left-handed power off the bench for the for the Phillies and also an additional outfielder off the bench which the Phillies are kind of lacking right now um, but they acquired, acquired Michael Tucker from the Giants for Kevin for a minor leaguer Kevin Picardo. He, he's coming from the Gulf Coast League Phils, uh, Rulo Single A affiliate down there in uh, down in Florida. Uh, they, so they acquired Tucker for for uh, Kevin Picardo and fifty thousand dollars. And just a, a, some numbers here on on Michael Tucker. Uh, he uh, hit at two forty one and five home runs. He's got thirty two runs and thirty three RBIs um, for the uh, Giants this year so he's got some output there and you can see uh, he's got a couple home runs there he's got 33 RBI so he can hit the ball um, again a left-handed hitter so he'll uh, he'll definitely add some some depth off the bench for the fills no doubt about that um, and the fills definitely as we all know need a, need a, a, a any sort of left-handed help off the bench uh, could be used especially if it's if it's an outfielder, it's it's all the more welcome. He's got good speed too, and uh, not only can he only play center, but he could also play all the outfield positions. He's experienced at left, left field, and right field as well. So again, you know, we were talking weeks ago. Well, what happens if uh, you know Pat Burrell needs a day off, Bobby Abreu needs a day off, things like that? Michael Tucker it looks like he's going to come over and maybe fit in well uh, for some of those uh, outfielders there, Burrell and Abreu, who may need a, a few days off here or or a day off or two. Uh, Michael Tucker will be there for them. Uh, the Phils had to move Jim Tomey to the 60-day DL. Uh, they also placed Corey Lytle in the 15-day D- day DL. We talked about Corey last week. Um, he, he has a strained oblique muscle, and uh, he is going to miss a start, if not two. I think uh, the last reports I heard is he was throwing uh, this week, and he still was experiencing a little bit of pain uh, in, in those muscles, and uh, he will uh, he will be out for a little bit. So the Phils moved Tomey to the 60-day DL. And, and Lytle's in a 15-day DL, and those moves are, are to help make room for Michael Tucker uh, coming over this week from San Fran- from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Kevin Picardo, by the way, was three and two with a 4.17 ERA in 10 games uh, for the uh, Gulf Coast Phillies this year. So we didn't give up a whole lot to get Michael Tucker, um, some cash, and and, uh, and a youngster there. Uh, so we'll see how Michael Tucker fails, uh, fares off the bench for the fills down the stretch. Also, uh, the minor league or the major league rosters uh, were able to be expanded as of today, today being September 1st, Thursday, September 1st. Uh, they were expanded, I believe, to 30 players. And uh, the Phil's able to bring up some uh, prospects from AAA, and uh, they certainly did. Shane Victorino is on his way up. I think I think he has joined the club by now. So we'll get to see uh, the, the, the International League uh, Most Valuable Player uh, in a Phil's uniform here uh, down the stretch. Uh, the Phil's also brought up A.J. Hinch. Pedro Liriano, you maybe remember uh, Liriano from earlier this year. He did spend some time 
um, within the uh, Phil's organization. I think it was uh, he was even uh, with the organization a little bit after spring training was Pedro Liriano, and he got some he got some uh, work up here in the majors. So he's back. Gavin Floyd has been recalled. Gavin will join the Phil's after his last Wilkes-Barre Scranton Red Baron start. He has one more start remaining down there. He's going to make that. And then he'll be available to come up uh, to the fills. Also, Jeff Geary was recalled again. Of course, you know Jeff Geary. He's uh, he's been around all year. And Matt Cada. Matt Cada, of course, was uh, was obtained from the Diamondbacks earlier this year for Tim Warrell. Uh, so uh, most uh, again, most of those players. In fact, I think all of the players were available for today's game uh, at the Mets. Uh, and uh, Gavin Floyd, of course, will make the trip after his last uh, start down there in Wilkes-Barre. Scranton for the Red Barons. So some depth off the bench for the Phils, and uh, it, it's good to see, again, Shane Victorino. We need the outfield help. It's good to see him up there. Uh, Matt Cata, uh, we talked about him last week. He was hitting very well down in, down in AAA for the Red Barons. And, of course, A.J. Hinch, uh, a catcher off the bench. It's not going to hurt with uh, with Lieberthal. Lieberthal has been hitting well lately, um, but uh, as we know, he's been struggling with his knees, and he's had some pain there. And, he, and he's been struggling even at the plate earlier this year. Well, A.J. Hinch is, is going to be one of those guys off the bench that can hopefully sit in there and uh, catch a game there for the Phils or or maybe pinch hit and finish the game out behind the plate for the Phils, if you will. Of course, Todd Pratt doing a great job back there too, but uh, Pratt not really an everyday player anymore. So, um, And also a bunch of arms there for the Phils too with Liriano, Geary, and Gavin Floyd coming up. Some bullpen help there. I don't think we'll be seeing a lot of these players in the games, except for probably Geary. Of course, Geary has the most uh, major league experience out of all of these guys. Uh, but I think a lot of these players have been brought up for, again, pinch hit situations. Uh, if somebody Again, somebody needs a day off in the outfield, which I don't really see a day off happening for Burrow and Abreu down the stretch. I'm sure they're going to want to play every game. But you have Shane Victorino there to fill in the outfield for you. You also have Michael Tucker now. Uh, so the bench is getting is getting pretty deep, and of course Gavin Floyd will be up here to help out too. Maybe Gavin Floyd can make a spot start if needed. I don't know. He hasn't pitched well in, in, in Scranton this year after he was sent back down earlier this year from the Phils. Uh, he continued to struggle down there. So not sure if I really agree with the Gavin Floyd uh, call-up at this point. Uh, but again, probably just another arm to throw out there in the bullpen in case the Phils absolutely need it. Uh, so we'll see how all those players fill in and uh, are able to help the Phils down the stretch here. We're going to take a quick ID break, uh, and we'll get into the weekend review for the Phils, and uh, we'll go back to the Arizona series where the Phils kind of struggled a little bit out in Arizona. But uh, as we'll see, they turn things around big time in uh, in New York as they head over to Shea Stadium uh, to face the Mets, and it was a great couple games. We'll recap those games for you in just a minute. Hang on. I'm Chris Smith. I'll be right back with more Phillies Weekly. Baseball. This is Phillies Weekly, your home for Philadelphia Phillies podcast. WBME Broadcasting Beyond Media East, Lancaster, PA. Now your host, Chris Smith. What's Phillies Weekly? Welcome back. It's week number nine. August 26th through September 1st is what we're looking at here. Thursday night, September 1st right now. And the Phils just uh, finished off their series against the New York Mets out in Shea today, this past afternoon, and a uh, great game there. They did win today. 3-1 uh, to one was the final score. We'll get to that game in just a minute. Uh, but uh, just to recap the wild card standings, as they stand right now, as of September 1st, the Phillies holding that uh, holding their own again. They hold the top spot in the wild card right now. Um, they, are, they are followed by the Astros by one game. The Astros are out by a game. Marlins end out by a game and a half. Mets out by two and a half. Nationals also out by two and a half. And the Brewers, the long shot, out by six and a half games. Uh, also, the Phils are three and a half out of the National League East race with the uh, Atlanta Braves. So at this point right now, you almost may say, hey, you know what? The, the wild card, that's first runner up right there. Let's go for the division. Why not? You know, the way the Phils are playing right now, it's, in my opinion, the, the Braves need to be toppled from that spot. They, they, at some point, somebody uh, somebody in the division has got to stand up and say, look, it's, it's enough. The, the Braves have got to go down. And we talked about so much in weeks past how the Braves 
just seem to somehow get it all done. And even the injuries they had this year and the injuries they continue to have this year don't slow them down. They bring up the rookie sensations uh, that just do a great job for them and just, just hit the cover off the ball. And not only that, but they, they bring up the pitchers too. And then they got the pitchers out there which are doing doing a great stand-up job as well. So the Braves are definitely open. Uh, to, to It's kind of open season right now on the Braves if somebody can catch them. Phil's are in that position to do so. Hey, why not? Why not the Phil's at this point? Of course, September, as we all know, will tell the big story there. And uh, getting right into September, uh, going back to last week, and then kind of a rough weekend for the Phils out in Arizona. We'll go back to Friday's game because that was kind of like the, uh, the, 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 the kind of the shining ray of, uh, of hope in that series was, was last Friday's game. The Phils win that game 11-3, to and it was uh, kind of an offensive outburst by the Phils. Um, uh, Chase Utley, two solo two solo shots in that game. Also, Bobby Abreu, seventh or, uh, grand slam in the seventh inning against Tim Worrell. Really, uh, really sparked the offense there for the Phils. Uh, Brett Myers was actually your starter last Friday, and he only went four innings. Uh, wasn't a very good start for for Myers. He got his pitch count up to about 84 pitches through four innings. Uh, he gave up three runs. Um, he was, of course, he was lifted in the fifth for uh, for Ramon Martinez. Ramon Martinez actually did sacrifice, uh, sacrifice a run in. Um, and the Diamondbacks were leading at that point uh, three to one. Uh, so uh, Brett Myers not a very good outing, outing back there. Uh, Charlie Manuel had, had mentioned uh, this week that uh, he, he didn't have his best stuff last Friday. Um, and he's got to be, in my opinion, Myers has to be a conservative a little bit for September. So Emmanuel did the right thing here. We saw Brett Myers a couple weeks ago against the Dodgers. He got in some trouble early on in the game, if you remember that. Uh, he gave up a couple home runs. Uh, you started thinking, well, here we go again. Brett Myers starting to maybe get a little bit upset. But Charlie Emmanuel stuck with him. Stuck with Brett Myers to like the seventh inning or so in that game. And the Phillies came out on top. In this situation here, you're playing against the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, a, a team which is struggling right now out in the NL West. Uh, and Charlie Emanuel says enough's enough. By the fourth inning, Myers is gone. And again, My- Myers has to be conserved for, for the, the run of September here. So you get in these types of games. Um, you, you have an, you have a, a pitch count of about 80 pitches by the fourth inning. You got to start thinking, you know, that it, it's time for some help. It's 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 time to get somebody else in there in that particular game and get one of your best starters out. You know, he needs to be conserved for the more important games uh, down the stretch here. Uh, but the Phils bullpen did to get the job done after all those all those home runs there, two by Utley, a grand slam by. Uh, by Abreu. Uh, Aaron Fultz, uh, two no-hit innings. Big no-hit innings. I believe the fifth and sixth uh, innings is what Aaron Fultz had pitched. And then Ryan Madsen, Acalino Lopez came in to finish out the game. By then, of course, the game was out of reach. Um, and it ended up 11-3. The Phils win. So, a good game last Friday for the Phils. They come, they come out with a win there. Uh, but we move on to Saturday and things are a little bit different. Uh, starting pitcher for Arizona on Saturday, Brandon Webb. Uh, one of the uh, one of the best, uh, prob- probably the best pitcher right now in the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks organization. We have Javier Vasquez down there too, who's doing a good job. But Brandon Webb, that crazy, uh, just just great sinker balls and just just crazy stuff from Brandon Webb. Really, j- just kept the Phillies hitters off balance all night long. And, it, and not only does he throw sinkers, it just seems that the ball kind of goes all over the place. You know, not only down, but. Uh, Left, right, uh, he really had the the Phils hitters off balance. So, Phils lose on Saturday. Final score there was two nothing in Arizona win. John Lieber was the starter on Saturday, and John pitched good. John pitched a very good game. As a matter of fact, him and Brandon Webb uh, pitched almost identical numbers. John Lieber seven and one thirds innings pitched on Saturday. He gave up five hits, two earned runs. Uh, one just one walk for John, six strikeouts though. He gave up that home run to Alex Cintron and uh, a 4.81 ERA for John on the year. But Brandon Webb was just that, just had that, just a little bit better. Just had that little bit of edge, I guess you could say, uh, over John Lieber. I don't even know if I call it a, a, an edge. You know, John Lieber had that one inning. I will get, we'll talk about it in a minute. The seventh inning uh, where he got hit. Uh, but that was it. That was the only offense in the game. Brandon Webb just a, a pinch better. Brandon Webb went seven innings. He also gave up five hits. Of course, no earned runs. It was a shutout uh, for him. 
Uh, he did walk four batters. He also struck out six. But uh, the key here, uh, Brandon Webb, 10 ground ball outs. And uh, you have a sinker ball pitcher in there, and obviously that's what you want him to do. You want him to get those ground ball outs. So 10 ground ball outs were induced by Brandon Webb. Um, and despite those four walks that, he, that Brandon Webb gave up, uh, including a leadoff walk to Pat Burrell to start the fourth inning, Phils couldn't move the runners around, couldn't even get one run. Um, around the home plate. So it goes to show you how tough Brandon Webb was that night. And of course, pitching at home, always an advantage there for, for, for anybody. And Webb definitely uh, definitely used that to his advantage on Friday or Saturday. Um, that one bad inning that Lieber had, and again, I wouldn't even call it a bad inning uh, because it was kind of a fluke thing. It was like a golf shot. Alex Cintron in the seventh inning, uh, a low slider, literally golfs it for a two-run home run. That was the only offense. It was the only run scored in the entire game. Um, and if you saw the replays, I mean, it, it was amazing that Cintron even hit that ball. I mean, it was literally almost on the ground. He just looked like a, just looked like a golf shot, a tee shot. And, of course, it went out to right field in a two-run home run there for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Phils did have their chances in this game. Well, we talked about the four walks that Brandon Webb gave up. Um, but you go to the seventh inning. Um, Ryan Howard and Todd Pratt single to get on base. Rollins walks, bases then loaded with two outs, but then Kenny Lofton grounds out to, uh, to second base. Uh, Phils also left 10 runners on base, including five in scoring position with two outs. So the Phillies had their chances. It was just one of those games where the Phils couldn't get anything going with runners in scoring position. They've been doing pretty well with that lately. Uh, but last Saturday, uh, Brandon Webb got to him, and once runners got on base, they just did not move. Uh, so the Phils come out in the losing end of, the, of last Saturday's game, two to nothing. Uh, Arizona takes that one. Move on to Sunday. It was the ESPN game. It was the game of the week for ESPN, the Sunday night baseball. And uh, Phils, not much luck on Sunday night either. Uh, the final score uh, Sunday night, Phils five, Arizona ten. And Vicente Padilla got the starting nod for the Phils, and he just did not have a very good outing. He looked horrible, really horrible control. He had a good first inning, uh, but after that, he just didn't seem to find it. Wasn't able to find the strike zone. He was really starting to slow down again with runners on base. You watch Vicente Padilla over the last couple starts. He gets a runner on base. He'll look him back twice, maybe three times. You know, a, a, a good 10, 15 seconds passes before he throws the ball. And it, there's no way a pitcher can get into a groove if you're doing that. If you're completely concerned about the runner out on second base or first base and you keep looking him back, how do you get in a groove? And maybe, maybe Padilla's trying to use that as part of his thing where he's trying to stall the hitter. I think Vicente has to realize that you, you can't get into a groove, especially out of the stretch. If, you, if you're constantly up there looking, looking runners back to base, you're not concentrating on what needs to be done at home plate, and that's, of course, making quality pitches. Uh, so something to watch for Padilla down the stretch. You know, again, he, uh, he's pitching out, out of the windup. He looks very good. Again, the first inning on Sunday uh, in Sunday night's game was excellent for Padilla. He pitched very well. Had a good, good fa great fastball going. Great moving fastball telling in towards uh, towards right-handed batters, away towards lefties. Um, but he just couldn't keep it going. And again, he, he got some runners on base. He got in trouble early. And uh, he, had to, he had to leave. He, he only went three innings. Uh, he gave up four hits, six earned runs for Padilla. That included a home run, a big uh, Sean Green grand slam in the third inning. That was the big blow that came. The base is completely loaded. Sean Green just kills the ball out of the park. Um, Two strikeouts for Padilla. He walked four. Now, again, you know, I don't care what major league team you're facing, walks or killers. Padilla gives up four walks, three of which came in score runs. Uh, in fact, those three walks are actually in front of the Sean Green Grand Slam. Uh, so, again, you, you saw Padilla going downhill very quickly in the second, third inning innings and uh, he just never did get it back. Phils did have a rally situation. We'll go to the 7th and 8th innings in this game. In the 7th inning, Lieberthal, Mike Lieberthal, and he's been hitting well as of late. We'll get into some of his numbers here in a minute. Lieberthal leads off the 7th inning with a home run. Tomas Perez then walks. Rollins singles Tomas Perez to 3rd, so you have runners on the corners. Uh, Jason Michaels would sacrifice fly, uh, would fly out, and that would score Tomas Perez. Um, so there's one out. 
I still have a runner. I believe uh, Jimmy Ron still left on first base, but then Utley comes up. Uh, he flies out, and Abreu strikes out. So the Phils get two runs in the inning. They leave a runner on base, and it was a, probably a chance for a rally situation there. You're also looking at a situation in the eighth inning, too. Uh, Pat Burrell comes up in the eighth inning and leads off with a, with a home run, his second home run of the game. Ryan Howard then would single. David Bell would fly out. Lieberthal hits into a fielder's choice. Uh, Howard was out at second base, and then Michael Tucker would strike out the end of the inning. So he had some leadoff home runs there in and, and the seventh and eighth inning, and uh, it looked to be possibly rally situations for the Phils, maybe a chance to get some adrenaline going and get something, get something rolling there late in the game. Just wasn't just wasn't going to happen uh, for the Phils. Um, some other notes to, to mention there. Again, it was just kind of a blowout. Final score again, ten to five. Um, Cormier, uh, Real Cormier actually came in uh, in the seventh inning and gave up uh, four more runs in the seventh. Um, and at, by that point, the game still wasn't completely out of hand. Of course, the Phils struggled because Padilla struggled early. They had to go to the bullpen early, which killed them. Um, but Cormier, in the seventh inning, he walks Luis Gonzalez. Tony Clark singles. Uh, there was an error by David Bell. Uh, runners at the corners. And then Troy Gloss comes up, hits a three-run home run off Cormier. Sean Green would later single off Cormier. Luis Torero then would double in, or would double Sean Green to third. And then Cormier would finally be replaced by Udi Brito. And unfortunately, the Phils had to use one of their spot starters here in Brito to do some mop-up work because by that point, uh, by midway through the seventh inning, uh, the game was starting to, to get out of hand. Um, but again, by the top of the seventh, though, you go back to the top of the seventh, the Phils pulled within two runs. That Mike Lieberthal a home run. It was 6-4 to four in the top of the seventh. It's only a two-run game. It's very much in reach. Um, it would have been a one-run game in the bottom of the eighth if it wasn't for all those runs that Cormier gave up. Remember in the top of the eighth, um, Pat Burrell had that solo shot. It would have, it would have made it 6-5. to five. So, uh, in my opinion, Cormier probably should have been pulled after he walked Gonzalez and uh, the Tony Clark single. Uh, eight total walks were given up by the Phils pitching on Sunday. Uh, four, four, four total free passes there were, were cashed in for runs by the, by the Diamondbacks. Um, and I don't really know what to say about Real Cormier, uh, whether he should strictly be used. He, he, he's, he's actually injured right now. I was reading some reports today from, from phillies.com that he's I guess, struggling with some shoulder problems here and there. So maybe it's a good thing that he sits out for a little bit. But really, in my opinion, maybe Real Cormier down the stretch here, maybe Charlie Emanuel should be thinking about using him in, in strictly uh, – a specialist type role instead of trying to put Real Cormier in there and trying to make him go an entire inning. Don't think Real Cormier anymore is one of those guys that you want to put in there for a whole inning. He's proved over the course of this season that he just doesn't seem to have the stuff to put the opposition away. He's really struggled in the later innings. He's put guys on base. He's walked people. We've seen that. He's given up a lot of runs. Uh, so, In my opinion, maybe Cormier is one of those pitchers now where you, you move to maybe a left-handed specialist role. You get him in there for one or two batters, and he's gone. Uh, maybe that's in his in his future. I I, I don't know, but uh, again, just my opinion speaking there. Uh, Real Cor there should be some thought put into that because I don't think Cormier is the same pitcher as he was a couple years ago when he had an outstanding season for the Phils. Um, you know, another looking at this game also. You know, you look at how many relievers were used. Uh, you had Brito, you had Cormier. I think Fultz was in there too, and of course Madsen. Madsen also had to come in there and round out the game. Uh, kind of mop it up. But with Corey Lytle on the DL now, and Corey Lytle not available to make the start, really, games like this are really killer on the pitching staff. Because, of course, Udi Brito had to be used out of the pen for mop-up work um, to help uh, to help Cormier get out of the seventh inning. Um, and then Madsen would, would have been, would, was used then in the bottom of the eighth inning. Now, my question was, um, I, what I'm kind of confused about here is why wasn't Madsen used earlier in the game? I guess Charlie Manuel still has, you know, high hopes for Cormier that he's able to still put batters away. But if Madsen was indeed available, why wasn't he put in in the seventh inning? Maybe you have an or, or Oogie, Oogie Urbina wasn't used, um, wasn't used at all. And he hadn't been used uh, since last Wednesday in the Giants series. 
So you have Ryan Matza coming in to do some mop-up work. You have uh, Ugi Urbina wasn't used. Why wasn't he used? He could have been used maybe in the eighth inning or something, uh, maybe Madsen in the seventh. Uh, and again, games like this are just are just killer. It just kind of throws even the bullpen out, out of whack. Because if Madsen was available, uh, number one, why wasn't he used? But again, now you have Brito. You ha- have Brito in there doing mop-up work. That's one of your spot starters. Should have Madsen been in that game, or shouldn't he have? It almost sounds like, to me, he wasn't available. So you have a lot of guys being used that really weren't necessary, and you can't rely on a whole lot of these games down the stretch. I mean, they're going to kill the fills. It's going to kill the bullpen. We saw it happen this week uh, in, in the Tuesday game against the Mets. You keep overusing these guys. You keep going to the well so many times, it, it, it's not going to give back. And games like this where you use unnecessary pitchers, uh, like Ryan Madsen uh, to mop up, uh, you have to use Brito to mop up. Uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough down the stretch to, to keep uh, to keep using these guys in these roles. So it's 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 up to the Phillies starting staff to get the job done, and not have games like this like we had last Sunday in uh, in Arizona. Again, last Sunday the final score there ten to five. Arizona wins and they take two out of three from the Phillies uh, on that Arizona uh, series out in the. Uh, bank one ballpark we'll move on to tuesday now this past tuesday and the Phils move into shea stadium and uh things starting to look up for the Phils a little bit early in this game uh jay so was a starter there for the mets on tuesday uh, and the Phils got to him early uh i think uh kenny law kenny lofton had a solo home run in the first that was his first home run since uh, opening day there's also a two-run home run by Pat Burrell, and Burrell has been a Mets killer. That's all face it. He's done great. That was his 29th career home run against the Mets, 15th home run at Shea. Pat Burrell has twice as many home runs against the Mets as any other opponent. So Burrell can hit the ball in Shea. We saw it happen on Tuesday. We saw it happen early. Fills out to an early 3-0 lead. I think it was 3-1 at some point, but the Phils have an early lead on Jay So. Uh, Robinson Tejeda was the starter for the Phils. Pitched well. Effectively wild he was. Got the batters down. Got the batters out. He did what he needed to do. His longest outing of the year, Tejeda went six innings, gave up seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts, a 3.19 ERA on the year. So not stellar numbers at all for Tejeda. You know, those seven hits and those two earned runs, just two strikeouts. But again, Tejeda gets himself into jams, gets himself out of the jams. He makes things right. Great job by Robson Tejeda. Again, six innings, six strong innings pitched where he gave up two two earned runs and definitely kept the fills in this ball game. Uh, the Mets would eventually tack on, on a run in, in, the, in the bottom of the first. So it was it ended up being a 3-1 ball game at the bottom of the first inning. Uh, Carlos Beltran, solo home run. Um, there was also the fills had a chance in the fourth for some more runs. And a kind of a confusing play here. We talked about uh, Jimmy Rollins last week, and this just goes to show you uh, how a lot of these questions are still kind of coming up about the leadoff spot for the Phils. Go back to the fourth inning on Tuesday. Uh, David Bell at second base, Howard Ryan Howard at third. One out. Robinson Tejeda is up. He strikes out. Two outs. Still runners on second and third. Jimmy Rollins tries to bunt. Two outs, Ryan Howard on third. Ryan Howard can't run to home on a suicide play. And why was Jimmy Rollins bunting with two outs and a runner on third base? Just, I, I don't know if he saw something in, 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 the, uh, in the Mets defense where, where he thought maybe he could, he could bunt the ball uh, maybe down the, down, down, the, down the first baseline and there wouldn't be anybody there. It, 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 to me, it didn't make any sense. But the Phils with a chance to put some more runs on the board and, and kind of start to slowly put this game out of reach. Rollins lays down the bunt with two outs and runners at second and third. And the bunt that Rollins laid down was horrible. Uh, if you saw the bunt, I mean, it literally went right back to the pitcher. It was a horrible bunt. He was easily out at first base, and the inning is over. Uh, so Jimmy Rollins, another again, maybe Rollins had 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 uh, was able to see something a hole in, in the in the Mets defense where he he thought maybe he could he could put a bunt down and get get Howard home from from third base. 
again, I don't know. Howard, not a very good runner. It's going to be very difficult for anybody. You would need to lay down an absolute perfect bunt to get Howard home from third and, 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 and to get yourself safe at first base. Uh, so very, very confusing play to me, and it just goes to show you. Jimmy Rollins, even though last couple of days he's starting to come around, what was he thinking? I don't know. Charlie Manuel was also ejected in the game in the fifth inning uh, after Kenny Lofton was thrown out of the home plate. Real close play there, but uh, Charlie Manuel is gone now. And Gary Varsho is taking over. Um, we'll go later in the game here. Uh, Ryan Madsen comes in. We're going with the Madsen-Urbina-Wagner combination here to round out this baseball game. So Madsen's in in the seventh inning. He's got two outs, bases loaded. Wild pitch, Ramon Castro scores from third. Uh, Cliff Floyd is at the plate, of course. Madsen would eventually strike him out to end the inning. So a blow there. Madsen didn't look good on Tuesday. Oogie Urbina comes in in the eighth inning, starts to struggle right off the bat. Oogie walks David Wright. Wright then steals second. David Wright, you watch the guy. He's a ball player. He's a very aggressive ball player. Uh, look out for this guy in years to come. Oogie then walks Victor Diaz. And then the big blow came, Ramon Castro, three-run home run on a slider, which was left right over the plate. I mean, just you, you couldn't throw it any better for being a, for a home run pitch anyway. And, and Castro has been hot. Ramon Castro filling in for, uh, for Mike Piazza, who's on the DL with a broken hand. Uh, Castro has been hot, and he, he took the ball yard. A big three-run home run off Oogie Urbina in the eighth inning, and that uh, that really just kind of put the put the game away. And we talked earlier about the bullpen, and of course, you know, you go to the Wagner, the Urbina, the Madsen combination, you go to them too many times, um, you go to the well too many times, and things like this are bound to happen. Um, you know, they're going to have bad games, and obviously the game on Sunday, the blowout versus the Diamondbacks, didn't help. You had to use some pitchers there where – you had to use them in a mop-up type situation where maybe they could have been used more effectively or saved for later days. Well, the Mets get to the fills on Tuesday. They get to the bullpen, who has been very strong. Three-run home run off Ugi Urbina and a uh, solo shot or a, uh, a wild pitch there uh, from Ryan Madsen. Those were the game-winning runs right there, and uh, that was it. Uh, Aaron Heilman. Juan Padilla and Braden Looper actually all combined out of the Mets bullpen did a very fine job. They combined to one-hit the Phils through the final four innings, uh, where the Phils did leave five runners in scoring position over those last four innings. But give it to the Mets bullpen, who hasn't been stellar this year by any by any means. They certainly, those three pitchers right there, Heilman, Padilla, and Looper, did a great job shutting down the Phils on Tuesday night and getting out of that game. Now, if you remember, I mentioned in the intro about uh, Jason Brewer, and Jason does our imaging here at Philly's Weekly Intros and Outros and things like that. Jason was actually at the game on Tuesday, and he emailed me with some comments this week. And uh, Jason was actually – this was actually the fifth uh, – the, the, the fifth stadium that he visited in the last five days was Shea. Uh, he took some time off there. He uh, he visited Fenway Park, see the Red Sox, Yankee Stadium, and RFK to see the Nats. Also Camden Yards uh, to see the Orioles. So uh, Jason on a kind of a on a on a Major League Baseball stadium tear here and uh, ended up ended up with the uh, the Phils and uh, Mets here at Shea. Um, he said there's a real real strong playoff type atmosphere, and I kind of got that feeling from watching the game. You can really tell everybody was into it and uh sound like a real fun game to be at uh even though the, the Phillies didn't win said uh it was kind of even though it was a playoff type atmosphere it was loud there wasn't a whole lot of fans there and uh you look at you look at the you look at the Mets history and uh kind of some of their attendance numbers if you will uh and here you are the Mets in the midst of a playoff hunt and and you can't you can't get people into the stadium so go figure I mean it's the Mets finally get uh they, they get Beltran they get Martinez and uh they're somewhat in this playoff hunt and nobody's there uh, but he, he said it was it was a good playoff type atmosphere. There, he said there were lots of Phillies fans there. So go figure, you know. It, Citizens Bank Park never lets the Phillies down, and uh, you know uh, he's also said at one point uh, the Mets were having a contest where people had to go and guess movie clips, and uh, somebody who actually guessed one of the clips yelled "Go Phillies!" after they were done over the microphone, and uh, he said there were a lot of Eagles chants at Shea on Tuesday night. So a lot of Philly fans down there. 
getting uh, taken in the action at Shea, and uh, of course the Phillies didn't pull this one out. Um, but uh, Jason was there, and uh, him and about 15 of his friends, he says. So uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, it sounded like a great time down there. Um, and of course, he also doubled doubled my comment earlier on on Pat Burrell, uh, 29th home run against the Mets and uh, 15th home run at Shea. Um, and Burrell, if yeah, I tell you, if, if Pat Burrell was a Met, he might be MVP every year. I don't know. Pat Burrell just hits the Mets very well. So Tuesday's game is in the books. Uh, Phillies don't lose that one late. Final score there was six to four. Mets win. Move on to Wednesday, and things start to change around. Things start to take shape here for the Phillies for the final two games of these of this series. Uh, Pedro Martinez on the mound for the Mets on Wednesday. Everybody knew this was going to be no easy task. Here we got Pedro, uh, and we have Glavin on Thursday. Could it get much worse? Well. No, I could because you could face Pettit and Clemens and Oswalt, which the Phils will, but we'll leave that for another time. Uh, <laughs> Phils, uh, Phils got the Pedro, though, on Wednesday. Uh, they, they get to him and uh, chase Utley. Two home runs, uh, two solo shots by Utley, also one by Ryan Howard. And Mike Lieberthal is starting to come around. He also had a home run. Um, and Brett Myers got to start for the Phillies, and a great job at Brett Myers. And this is what we're talking about, about the, about the Phillies starters going to distance and giving the, 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 the bullpen a quality outing and something to work with. And he certainly did that, and uh, the Phillies' bats backed him up. Uh, Myers has improved over the month of August, or, or after I should say after, after Philly's losses I should say, Myers is six and one with a three point two one ERA, and the Phillies are not, actually nine and one in Brett's last ten starts. So Myers has really been getting the job done. He hasn't gotten all those uh, all those decisions, all those ten decisions, but he's gotten the job done. He's done well. We talked about Arizona where he struggled a little bit. Charlie Manuel saw he was getting upset and frustrated. He got pulled in the fourth inning. Okay, we're back here at Mets. He's got another chance to redeem himself. He pitches great. He's got Pedro Martinez on the opposition. Everybody knows what needs to be done, including Brett Myers, and uh, he certainly comes through big. He gets the job done. Uh, Myers Myers improves to twelve and six. I. Don't think he got the win. I'll double check on that. Uh, Brett goes seven innings strong, uh, six hits, two earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, gave up one home run, 3.51 ERA, and Myers did get the win on on Wednesday. Um, Pedro didn't pitch bad either, uh, so this was no uh, bad outing for Pedro because he pretty much matched Brett Myers in numbers. Uh, Pedro went six innings strong. Um, well, not strong, but he went six innings. He, he gave up eight hits, five earned runs, three walks, also six strikeouts. Well, Brett had seven. Uh, but Pedro gave up four home runs on that night, and uh, that actually tied a career high uh, for Pedro Martinez uh, by allowing four homers. Uh, that's actually a th- for the third time in his career, and the first since June 10th, 1998. Uh, so this is something that Pedro doesn't do very often. The Phils got to him. Uh, they picked up his pitches. They hit him. They hit him deep. Um, this is actually uh, he also surrendered five runs in the game for the fourth time this season. Uh, that being his Tuesday outing there. Uh, so the Phils get the get the job done with some long ball and uh, a, a late home run, I believe, by uh, by that one late home run by Utley and then one by Ryan Howard really helped put the put the ball game away. Um, Mike Lieberthal also checked in with the home run, and Mike's been hitting great uh, here in August. Um, about uh, about a 3.23 average here uh, in, in this month. Uh, his overall average has gone up to uh, 2.50, so much better for. Um, for Mike Lieberthal here in the month of August. I was reading some things here, and I actually listened to this uh, today on, on the Phillies pregame, that Mike uh, Mike has actually switched to very light bats, 30-and-a-half-ounce uh, bats. And from what I understand, uh, those those bats really aren't made. They're, 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 they're so light that, that guys just don't use them. Well, apparently uh, one of the one of the bat manufacturers had sent Todd Pratt uh, some of these bats by accident, some real light bats. Well, well, Todd started using them and realized he liked them. Mike switches to these real light 30 and a half ounce bats. Seems like it works out for him. Um, he's been able to shorten up a stroke a little bit. He's, If you watch him, he's... Uh, 
he's a much he's much more poised in the batter's box, and uh, he seems much he just seems much more comfortable. And maybe that's a big mental thing. Uh, he's he, Mike's got a couple hits here. He's got some RBIs going. He's got a hitting streak going. I think it's seven or eight games right now. He's got going. So maybe a lot of this has to do with, you know, not only the bat, maybe the lighter bat and being able to shorten up his stroke and getting more hits, but maybe a lot of a mental game. You know, Mike Lieberthal is starting to come around a little bit here in the month of August, and uh, he knows it in the back of his mind. Every time he goes up there, he's a lot more... He's a lot more confident in his ability uh, to hit the ball and at least drive the runs in. We talk about Mike Lieberthal and David Bell so much here on the on the show and, and how key they are at the bottom of the lineup. And you see when Mike Lieberthal produces, what happens? The Phils beat the Mets. Pedro Martinez on Wednesday, final score 8-2. That, that proof is in the pudding right there. You know, Mike Lieberthal gets the bat going. He, he's relaxed. Like I said, he's much more confident up there at the plate. And it seems like good things happen for the Phils. So hopefully this is something that uh, Mikey can continue on um, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, we'll just have to work on David Bell and, and him hitting right-handed pitch, pitching. Uh, hopefully he'll come around. But the Phils do a great job on Wednesday. It was a great game, and you could tell everyone was really excited by, by looking at their faces at the end of the game. Everyone was was real proud they were able to overcome Pedro and they did a great job final score get there again eight to two over Pedro Martinez and the Mets on Wednesday move on to Thursday of course Thursday was a day game out in Shea and uh, a great job again by the Phils Phils win Thursday final score there three to one over the Mets and that will round out the 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 three game series against the Mets the Phils will face the Mets again at home at Citizens Bank Park later in September uh, but the Phils get a great pitching performance by John Lieber on Thursday. Super job by John. Seven innings pitch for John. Four hits. One earned run. No walks. Classic Lieber. No walks. Six strikeouts. 4.67 ERA. And uh, John Lieber seems to be a September-type guy. Last year, uh, John actually went 5-0 and and a 3.21 ERA with the Yankees last year, last September. Um, so maybe Lieber's a September type of guy. If, they, if the Phils need additional output from their staff, September's the time to do it. We all know that. And John Lieber might be the guy they're going to look to to get the Phils really, really rolling here in September and get some momentum going and fly right through these uh, through the Florida and the Atlantas and the, uh, and the Houstons. Uh, we'll see. And Lieber, he's pitched strong. Don't get me wrong. He's pitched strong his last couple outings. He struggled a little bit because he hasn't had the run support. Remember, he lost last week out in Arizona. It was only 2 to nothing. Uh, he really didn't have a bad inning. We talked about John Lieber having one bad inning where he gets crushed for multiple runs, three, four, five runs at a time, and then that's it. Well, he didn't have that one bad inning on, on Thursday. He really didn't have that bad inning on when they were out in Arizona either. He just got hit up for a couple runs in Arizona, and the Phillies weren't able to respond. But on Thursday... Um, the Phils come out on top, and they got they got some runs early again off Tom Glavin, lefty there for the uh, for the Mets, and another very tough pitcher. Uh, of course, we all know Tom Glavin and what he's done with with the even with the Atlanta organization. We've seen him a lot down there. Now he's with the Mets, obviously. With the Phils get things started in the first inning, uh, bases loaded. David Bell and David Bell hits these left-handers like nobody's business. Uh, David Bell comes out with a two-out, bases loaded, of course, two-run double. And right from the first inning, it's two nothing. That's really all the Phils needed from then, th- from there on out. John Lieber held the Mets' offense at bay. Uh, I believe the Mets did get one run late off of Jose Reyes, uh, a triple. And then, of course, Reyes was, of course, driven in. But they only got one run in this game. Lieber did a great job. David Bell did a super job. Actually, Bell is hitting 372 versus lefties this year. And as far as I can tell, I think he's third in the NL. I, I do see Luis Castillo from the Marlins and Luis Gonzalez from, from, the, from the Rockies. Uh, with higher batting averages against left-handed pitching. I do see those two individuals higher than David Bell. But Bell, I mean, a 372 average versus lefties, you can't ask for a whole lot more. So Bell's getting the job done against lefties. Unfortunately, you're going to see a lot of righties down the stretch here, I think. And, uh, the, you know, David Bell's going to have to figure out a way to hit these, hit these, hit this right-handed pitching a little bit better. But David Bell gets the job done. Also, Ryan Howard. What a job he's done. You just can't say enough about Ryan Howard and the job he's done filling in for Jim Tomey. Ryan Howard tacked on another run uh, in the ninth, a solo home run straight away. I think it was, well, it was maybe center field, left center, something like that. 
But a great job. I mean, Ryan Howard has just done, you can't ask the guy to do any more. Of course, he's going to strike out a lot. He's a power hitter. But, he, I mean, he's gotten clutch home runs. He's gotten clutch hits. And, uh, hey, you know what? It's definitely going to make the Phils think about what's going to happen in the future. I am glad that the Phils didn't trade off Ryan Howard uh, like we talked about so much, that Ryan Howard was trade bait. Hey, you know what? You hold on to the guy. He's become just a real gem. And uh, what are you going to do next year when Tommy comes back? I don't know. I, I, I hate to see someone like Ryan Howard sit on the bench because he's hitting so well right now. Um, but, uh, I mean, he just crushes the ball. They call him Mini Poppy, Mini Ortiz. And uh, can you see that? I, I don't know. I see a little bit of it coming through. He can sure th- hit the ball, though. So great job to Ryan Howard attack on a run later in the, later in the game. Of course, uh, Ugi Urbina and Billy Wagner came in and uh, shut the Mets down in the 8th and ninth. Wagner picked up his 32nd save of the season, uh, and the Phils win the last two games of this Mets series, and they lead the wild card by one full game over the Houston Astros. So a great series, minus that heartbreaker on Tuesday. A great series in, uh, in, 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 in New York against the Mets at Shea, and the Phils move on to RFK Stadium to face the Nationals this weekend. I'm going to take a quick ID break and come back with a weekend preview for the Phils. They'll head over to Washington for a three-game set against the Nationals and then uh, head back home, and it's the Houston Astros and the Florida Marlins coming to Philly and Citizens Bank Park. More Phillies Weekly is on the way. Hang on. You are listening to Phillies Weekly, your home for Philadelphia Phillies podcasts on WBME Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Now your host, Chris Smith. Phillies Weekly at Verizon.net is our email address. Make sure you send us your emails, show content, comments, questions, anything like that. Philliesweekly.blogspot.com is our webpage. And uh, if you surf around that a little bit, you see I added some archives there. If uh, you're looking for some past uh, podcasts to get a hold of, the archives are there. You can check them out. I've also... Uh, Set up a couple links there. You can stream uh, Scranton Wilkesbury uh, Red Barons games and also Reading Phillies games uh, from a great site called SportsJuice.com. You can stream those games to your computer and listen to them uh, online. Of course, those seasons winding down. I believe next week is uh, the, the last week for play in the Eastern League and International League, if I'm not mistaken. So, if you had a chance this week, make sure you get online and uh, check out some of the minor league games. You know, there's a lot of stars out there. We call, talk about Chris Roberson from the uh, from the Reading Phillies. He was named uh, Eastern League Rookie of the Year. Uh, center fielder having a great year. Shane Victorino, of course, uh, he's with the Phillies now, but still a lot of stars down there in the uh, in the AAA uh, Red Barons organization. So check it out. Uh, again, sportsjuice.com. The links are on the site. You just click them and uh, set it up. And uh, real easy thing to do, real cool thing to uh, to check out. So sportsjuice.com links are right on our, on our homepage. I also wanted to pass along to you as well. Uh, remember Jason Brewer, who does the uh, imaging for us here at Phillies Weekly, and and uh, Jason works for a, uh, a radio station in uh, in New Jersey called G-Rock, uh, 98.5 on your FM dial. If you are in the New Jersey area, Jersey Shore area, make sure you check it out. Well, now with gas prices the way they are, you don't have to drive. <laughs> the radio station is actually streaming online right now. The web address is grockradio.com. Uh, you can go to that website and check out uh, check out the the G Rock radio station right from your right from your computer. Really cool radio station, lots of modern rock, Foo Fighters, Jimmy World, things like that. Uh, so check it out, grockradio.com is the web address there, and you can stream that right to your computer if you'd like. Uh, you know, quick weekend preview here for the Phils. Uh, we'll look at September 1st through 9th, uh, well, September 2nd through 9th, actually. Um, tomorrow evening, Friday evening, September 2nd, Phil Stroll in the RFK Stadium to start a three-game series against the Nationals. Um, and that uh, that three-game uh, away series will end a 12-game four-city road trip for the Phils. They've done a pretty good job so far. Like I said, we they faltered a little bit in Arizona, but uh, they've come across uh, or come come out big against the Mets here, um, and uh, we'll look to continue that uh, against the Nationals this this coming weekend. Your 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 probable starters uh, for Philly 
uh, this weekend include uh, Padilla will get the nod tomorrow, Friday night, September 2nd. He will face John Halama from the Nats. Uh, Saturday will be Udi Brito. And Sunday, Robinson Tejeda. Now, of course, those starters are always subject to change. And with the recent call-ups the Phils have had, including Gavin Floyd, um, well, Gavin won't be there yet, but uh, anything's bound to happen. And Robinson had just pitched on Tuesday, um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, with Corey Lytle being out, uh, the rotation kind of kind of in a little bit of a mess right now. So we'll look to to Udi Brito to have another good another good outing like he did um, a few weeks ago, and uh, we'll look to, for Robinson Tejeda to have another strong outing like he did this past Tuesday against the Mets. Uh, so the Phils should be, and the Nationals kind of up and down. They split a, a doubleheader with the Mets or with the uh, with, with the uh, Braves, excuse me, last night. And uh, the Braves uh, or the Nationals, again, one of those teams is always kind of up and down. They, they go in these skids for a while, but then they're right back at it. They, they, come, at, they come at you out of nowhere, and uh, they start these offensive charges, and they get, gr- they get great pitching performances by guys like uh, Esteban Loaiza and uh, LeVon Hernandez and uh, John Patterson also there. They'll, 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 get, they'll get great pitching outings from those guys, and then the bats will get going. You got guys like Vinny Castilla who will heat up. Uh, Nick Johnson, who's done awesome all year. Brad Wilkerson has done well also. Those guys will start to heat up, and, uh, you know, they, they can turn things around in an instant. That's one thing about the Nationals you have to look out for. You know, people can write them off all they want, and uh, maybe maybe they don't have the the, the assets to make it, uh, make it into the postseason. However, they could be a spoiler because, like I said, they could heat up at any time. They go on skids. They kind of, they, you know, they kind of play a hustler role, and then, and then they, all of a sudden they heat up and uh, they fly past these teams. So anything's bound to happen. Uh, but with the way the Phillies are playing, they've got momentum uh, coming off these last two games against the Mets. Hopefully they'll be able to cruise through this uh, national series, at least winning two of three, uh, if not hopefully sweeping this series. Because things don't get easier after this. They get much more difficult. Because the Phillies return home next week. Um, and they will uh, start a, th- a three-game set against the Astros on the uh, on the fifth. I believe it's Monday, so they won't get a day off till next Thursday. So the Phils return home to Citizens Bank Park Monday, September fifth. Uh, three games against the Astros. They'll round out the week. Then they'll have uh, Thursday off, and then uh, the Florida Marlins will come come into town for a three-game set against the Phils. And uh, Again, the Astros, uh, looking at their rotation right now, it looks to me like the Phils will probably get the opportunity to face Clemens, Oswalt, and Pettit. Uh, That, of course, could change. But again, looking at the rotations right now as they set up, it looks like possibly those three will unfortunately get the starting nod for the Astros when they come to Citizens Bank Park next week. And we know what that means. I mean, Clemens is making a strong bid for Cy Young. Pettit and Oswalt, well, we saw them earlier in the year, and, and they're just they're just lights out. If the Astros don't score any runs, look for the Phils to win some games. If the Astros score two or three runs, well, it might make it very difficult for the Phils. Problem again with the Astros, and we talked about last week in a, uh, in a, in a wild card preview that we did last week, here on Phillies Weekly, Astros really struggle hitting the ball. Um, and especially on the road, it's not going to get any easier. Um, so for the Phillies overtake, uh, the Astros, obviously, they're going to have to get to their to some of their top starters. We're looking at possibly Clemens, Oswalt, and Pettit. Uh, so they'll have to get to those guys, and they're, they're going to have to hope that the, that the Astros shut their offense off like they have uh, over the past month. So... We'll see. Uh, it'll be so, a lot of fun to watch these games here coming up. I'm getting real excited about these games, and it'll be interesting to see what happens here, especially starting with the Astros next week. And, of course, the Marlins will round out the week next week with a three-game set against the Phils. And uh, the Marlins, well, again, one of those teams kind of up and down. Uh, Josh Beckett got lit up the other night. Uh, so, again, kind of some inconsistencies there. Uh, we'll see uh, as it gets closer. We'll try to post on the website for you who the starters for the Marlins might be, and of course uh, I'll throw up there also the starting pitching, of course, for the Astros when that is completely finalized there for you. 
So we'll have a full recap of those games and any other news that comes up uh, next week on Phillies Weekly. That's going to just about do it for me. Thanks for joining me. Uh, have a great Labor Day weekend. And uh, look for us next week, Phillies Weekly right here. And uh, also, get, if you get a chance, check out, uh, check out Flyers Weekly. It's a new podcast we're starting up here in probably the next week or so. Uh, Flyers Weekly, we're going to run down, uh, run down NHL, kind of run down the, the Flyers as well. Uh, we're looking for uh, a lot of input into, into the Flyers um, uh, podcast show. We'll probably be, be me and Greg Allen running that show. And uh, any input you have, feel free to send us an email. Flyersweekly at gmail.com is our email address over there. Flyers or Philadelphia Flyers Weekly.blogspot.com is the web address uh, at, uh, at the Flyers Weekly podcast uh, homepage there. So check it out this week and uh, any idea, suggestions, make sure you send them our way and uh, we'll get them on for you. First show should kick off probably in the next week or two. So keep an eye out on that. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Chris Smith. We'll see you next week for Phillies Weekly. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Phillies Weekly on WBME Broadcasting Lancaster, PA. Join us next week as your host, Chris Smith, recaps the weekly highlights, player news, and minor league scouting reports for the Philadelphia Phillies Major League Baseball Club. Be sure to join us online at philliesweekly.blogspot.com and make sure to send us your emails to philliesweekly at verizon.net. Oh!